So, we're talking about Asian Americans episode one from PBS, right? Yes, and you watched it just today. I did. When did you watch it? I watched it on Wednesday night. In hindsight, I could have watched it last night for more recency of memory, but um, I wanted to, like, get her done. <laughs> you were <laughs> so prepared. I wasn't watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. so I watched it on Wednesday night, and I quite enjoyed it. And I actually talked about it um, the next day. So maybe it was good I watched it early, because on Thursday night I had a meeting with a bunch of Asian Americans. Oh, and cool. I told them that I watched it. And yeah. one of them had watched it before, too. And she said, oh, my God, it's so good. Um, so I'm excited to see the next episode. But I did enjoy the first episode. I thought it was kind of um, the way that this sort of transition between the, t- the different stories was a bit, like, abrupt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in one particular area, um, I felt like it was, like, um, we need to cram all the Asian Americans into this story. Well, for me in particular, it was when they moved from the sick, like they were, they talked, they went deep. They went really micro into like Chinese American immigrant stories. And they went really specific, right. On a couple of them. And then they transitioned to the sick. Then they were like, Oh, and also there were a lot of sick Americans on the West coast. And then suddenly they were like, and also there were a lot of South Asians on the East Coast. And then they went deep into like the really specific story of like Maksad, I think his name, or the, um, I think he was Indian, the, the pet, the peddler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a little sudden. Yeah. Where they sort of trace the um, ancestry of those ladies that they showed and they didn't really realize they had like Indian ancestry. Right. I know. I thought that was really cool that they were, brought together by this person's scholarship, basically. He, yeah. he was um, not even expecting that that would be the result of his book um, and not even having seen the photo. Kind of neat. Right. Yeah. But for me, the most abrupt one was at the beginning when they were talking about the guy from the Philippines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. About how he had to work as, like, essentially a circus freak for the fair mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they just jumped into the real the railroad right like, wait i wanted to know more <laughs> yeah that was such a good way to open though i liked because i didn't know about the philippines exhibit at the world's fair i've heard of the world's fair um and then i liked that they contextualized it by saying that like you know, that talking about basically this is how like white people viewed the rest of the world is that we're superior to other people and we need to save the little brown people. Yeah. Right? And here they are in a cage doing tricks. Yeah. Because we asked them to. <laughs> yeah. That was so fascinating. And it was cool that they were able to, uh, you know, track down the descendants um, mm-hmm. who were able to say like, well, he, you know, he saw it as, in a way he saw it as an economic opportunity. Although, he was young when all that was happening. So I am curious, like, you know, these stories where we hear about so-and-so starting work at the age of 14, you know, how, how would that have looked now? Mm-hmm. How like a 14, I don't know how old um, the Filipino man was when he was, you know, at the world's fair. But I remember like one of the stories later about the Chinese immigrants, Joseph Tape or something, he was 14 when he left 
his country i'm like wow that's young yeah that is really young yeah yeah to go and figure it out all on your own in a new country yeah that's a baby now ridiculous i know what the hell was i doing at 14 i don't even know anything yeah can't imagine so um so yeah there was a lot of um struggle depicted in that documentary that um I, I, you know, I found it like emotionally moving at times for sure. And just very, I, I honestly, I hate to say like it was difficult to watch because, you know, it's not like I was like forcing myself to watch this, but it, it was emotionally difficult to watch. I think it was like a lot of, a lot of hard stories coming there, coming out of it. Yeah. I had a lot of thoughts as well. Um, especially since the narration, I'm talking again about um, the Philippine exhibition one. Mm-hmm. The narration made it sound like, oh, he sort of embraced this opportunity to make money. And then yes. just left it at that. I'm like, oh, there's got to be more to it than that. You know? uh-huh. I'm curious. What do you think is missing? Or what do you think, what do you suspect could have been making it like, what, what could have made it more rich or, or more detailed? I guess just more insights into just the reasonings for staying and seeing this as an opportunity and like mm-hmm. okay I'm just trying to be I'm being very careful there because I'm no I don't want to impose my very privileged position as someone who was born in the Americas you know right doesn't know what it's like I don't want to automatically assume that they thought they were oppressed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean yeah because we don't they, they were describing someone who it sounds like he eventually made off wealthy after all that like he was prosperous yeah yeah but like knowing what we know now like if i were um asked by someone who quote unquote trusted me because that guy who asked him to come over to america was supposedly someone who trusts who he trusted or something or who trusted him um to come over to america and like be in this philippine exhibition because there isn't really a show like you are the show mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I trust you to be that show kind of a thing like right. if, if it were me like in this time right now I'd be like what the hell right you know and so I didn't really get the sense that that's how they felt about it at the time so I, I kind of want more in-depth feelings I guess like emotions feelings thoughts um about the whole thing from the perspective of, I can't remember his name, but the actual person that was... Yeah, I'm terrible painted. with names. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to look it up right now, but um, it's. I think we may have gotten a little bit of a taste of what he, we think he might have felt or we imagine he might have felt when you see, like, I think it came out well with Anna Mae Wong, though, right? When they were mm-hmm. talking about how... Fr- it, I don't know if, if she ever said she was frustrated directly, but I think they did a good job of, of like, helping us feel how I could relate so well when I watched that part like how tiring it must have been to just be constantly having to recreate the narrative of like white people's views of what people of color or Asian people should be depicted as like this you know what I mean and and just how reluctant she was to she must have been she it must have been difficult because she knew it was a way to make money but and she even wrote to the LA Times saying that she didn't want to, how could they, how dare they cast her or they ask her to try out for the the, the most villainous part of this um, movie where she would probably have been the only Asian American actress. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. And she would always die at the end anyways. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And so, but that's because we have her letters. She literally wrote to the LA Times and we didn't have a lot of his actual voice. The yeah. Filipino man. Yeah. So I, that's something that I'm not saying that that's what the documentary is missing. I'm just saying that's something that is missing for me. <laughs> you wish you want um, to know more and maybe there it's out there, you know, maybe, maybe it is. Yeah. And, yeah, maybe it's not too though. Because when they're talking about the uh, the Chinese railroad workers, the part that kind of got to me was, um, and I mentioned this in that Asian group that I was in too, that the conditions were horrifying for the work. Um, but still, they had to keep up this whole ideal, like idyllic image to everybody back home, that it was amazing, that it was the American dream, that it was, you know, the sidewalks paved with gold, the land of the sidewalks paved with gold. They didn't say that in the documentary, but it's like something that I know was sort of in people's minds mm. at the time. Um, that America was just this like land of opportunity and like riches. And so even though the work that they actually did was horrific and many people died, they really didn't make that much money. Mm-hmm. They had to like sort of portray this image back home to everybody um that it was amazing interesting yeah i was i thought it was sad that they had to do that you know like how exhausting is it just to keep up an image like that that's a good point i hadn't considered that but obviously you know you have background knowledge on the topic but another way that you could see it even in the documentary alone was that like they would like the descendants would say like yeah and then like people had this dream this american dream but like yeah how how is that perpetuated, right? Like, and they were, they did indicate that it was through people's, um, like, yeah, like their relatives who had been to America. So, yeah, like um, they just kept up the imagination, even though they were there, you know, like there was no, um, and then one of the people in the group said, well, yeah, I, I can understand why they had to keep up that image is because they paid a very, very large sum of money to even get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it had to have been for something. Mm. and it would have been embarrassing mm. to have been like actually it sucks <laughs> interesting you know and that makes sense but it's sad at the same time like how there's no room for failure in the culture um so i'm curious here um like again this is me possibly projecting like my current situation to something like I don't know what happened in the past like I I really don't know what's going on in their heads but I'm wondering like is it is it do you think that's I feel like I'm speaking out of my depths I'm just me too imagining but do you think they were worried that if they say bad things the family's gonna worry about them because you know how sometimes Mm. you ask people how they're doing and they're like I'm fine but it's just like you know, it's because if you really ask them, you you know, they don't want to be like, well, actually, I'm in a deep depression and I'm about to, you know, <laughs> like, oh my God. I don't yes. know. I don't know. I wonder about that. Yeah, that is an excellent point. And especially because most of the people who came over were men, male workers. They were mm-hmm. men. And men just do not want to tell anybody when there's something going on with them. 
historically, yeah, even, yeah, traditionally, the mas- traditionally. I don't know what it is, masculinity or something, yeah. Yeah, like, men are the providers, um, they're, you know, if there's something wrong with them, they keep it to themselves, they don't want to worry everybody else with it, and it's also, like, not wanting to look vulnerable or weak or... Or, um, I'm, I learned... I have to be careful because I'm like, this is being recorded, so... But there's, no. there's a part of me that's just like, I want to say things without having it be misinterpreted. So the, the part... So I in, in, I grew up, as you know, in the U.S. in a very, like, immigrant family household where my parents were working a lot. And I, I did see them, but, like, I don't think I, I would have seen them as much that uh, compared to, like, I don't know, a family that maybe was more uh, established in the United States. And then, so as an adult, I learned, I, I spend more time with them as an adult now sometimes, right? Or like over the years, I've gotten to know them since then. And luckily, they've been doing okay, uh, especially recently. But um, I then as a result, I've become more exposed to cultural differences that I wasn't aware of. And it's surprising because I'm, in a, I'm like in my 40s. So I feel like, how is it that I'm still learning these cultural differences I feel like I by now I should know but um anyway so yeah I, I'm um, like so for me something that I'd always heard about but never felt like I was really exposed to was this concept of saving face which is like a total cliche it's even like the name of a movie I think but yeah so part part of me wonders about that too like um yeah anyways just how, how does um saving face come come to all all of this it, it does. Uh, yeah. I think that's, that is that is the core of it. Yeah. You know, I think, okay, so my criticism is not that they were not able to be like, actually, it sucks here. I want to come home. There's no criticism. I'm just sort of trying to understand the mindset at the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? Just like yeah. there, how there was just no room socially. Yeah. Yep. For them to just come out and say, like, actually, it's horrifying here. Right. You know? Yeah. You know what I do? I think the one place is the one place you did see it is in those Supreme Court documents for the mm. what when they were talking about the more established, like I guess would you call it the merchant class, the tapes, the Joseph tape story. Um, they they brushed on some of the other people that also established like citizenship, um, you know, by birth was it and and maybe some other issues but anyways like specifically I was thinking of the Joseph's tape story where like they weren't I don't know but you're right I don't think that they were saying it's horrifying they were more just like 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 the documentary said asserting themselves as Americans um but yeah so that that was kind of those are sort of the blips I guess that you you where you do see pushback I guess against right. that 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 story of like everything's great here. I can't remember the, if the tapes were born there or if they just came over very young. I think um, this was very memorable because I think this is the one where there was the animation, right? Oh, so yeah. Joseph, I think Joseph came when he was fourteen. I remember that because I was like, oh my god, that's really young. Oh yeah, and yeah. he still had his cue, his ponytail. And then he cut it off. And then you see them in the picture, you know, you can see his little face and stuff. And then his, his wife, I cannot remember if she was born here either, but I know she was working at a brothel. So I don't remember about her, whether she was born here. I get the sense that she might not have been. 
Yeah, but they yeah. both very much embrace like the American way of life and just Americanism and everything. And so when they met, they were like, "Oh, hey, we're the same." So, but what's interesting is it was the wife that was writing in the newspaper, not not Joseph. And even in the documentary, they described that the mom was upset about the kids not having access, right? Because we were just talking about how like you know men don't we don't you don't hear the men's voices in like mm. um uh pushing back necessarily um in that particular like supreme court case about um being you know american yeah. by birth. right yeah. later later yeah later there were yeah but in the tape story it was specifically the woman's voice that was um coming out so that was interesting yeah i thought it was another oh go ahead yeah no i'm just saying like for me history and timelines i'm very bad at timelines yeah <laughs> like I can't remember what happened which day. I just remember like I have I remember events very usually very clearly, but like mm-hmm, timelines mm-hmm. not really, not so much. Putting that out there. That's fine. They didn't they hardly kind of it wasn't that kind of documentary. They were like and then in eighteen forty six. But but they they did at one point because I, I remember I wanted to like remember I was like, wait, when did this happen? So because I, I thought that was interesting to say like it was in the eighteen seventies that a lot of the anti Chinese sentiment was happening. And how related that was to um, their entry into the workforce um, after uh, basically uh, enslavement was outlawed Mm -hmm. um, in the U.S. That was um, that was interesting. And I was like, it makes me wish I had also a better picture of like what else was happening, you know. Yeah, they kind of just brushed over the whole enslavement being outlawed part and didn't really go into context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kind of, um, I guess they assume you're going to get that somewhere else or maybe it'll <laughs> come up later. I'm not or sure. they just didn't have time to get into something that wasn't about Asian Americans. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I totally get that. You only have so much time for um, to tell your story in a documentary. So yeah. Uh, I did think that was kind of cool, though, with the Maksad Ali story, how they showed um, a, um, they were black, right? They were black, mm-hmm. multiracial family um, that were descendants of the, um, of Maksad. So, yeah, which, yeah, yeah. I remember them saying that um, because his skin was so dark, like, he could really only fit in with the black people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, that's where the blood mix happens, and they didn't even know, like going down the line, that they were even Indian. Right. Yeah, and um, and I really like that story they captured in, in the car when they were talking about how, in the train, um, the grandma had to sit in the back because they knew she was black, even though she was technically lighter skinned, while mm. Moxad sat in the front car because you know. He just wasn't subjected to that same like anti-blackness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I thought it was good. I'm glad I watched it, and I'm so glad you like. I don't remember how we stumbled on it, but we watched it like as a result of that um, Asian American education project. Yeah, but so far it's been a very interesting watch for sure. But yeah, like I said before, like the abrupt cuts between all the different stories, I kind of wish they would focus on like one story for a bit longer or I don't know, just to sort of what's the word, what's the word I'm trying to just fluff it out a little bit more. Right. More contacts, more details. It, it was most obvious for me with the sick 
with the sick story because I was like, it almost felt like, oh, the person we were going to talk to about this didn't show up. So let's just move on. <laughs> like, it kind of felt like, it was like, then, then there were sick people. Bloop. <laughs> let's yeah. move over here now. And I, I felt like that was abrupt too. So I'm, I thought it was interesting that you caught that. You caught that. Um, yeah, because I was very immersed. I was like, oh, this is so interesting. And then, boom, a different story. And I'm like, wait, hang on. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted more of that. Like, I really wanted more of that Philippine exhibition one. Because, I don't know, I think there's something that I'm very fascinated about when it comes to um, putting people in sort of like an exhibitionary position. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's called. Like like a zoo, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, um, I thought that for, for me, like knowing that we have that kind of background with the, you know, animal rights, uh, or a vegan advocacy perspective, uh, um, that was surprising to me because they chose to start the documentary with that particular vignette. Right. Um, and it was like basically saying like that. I mean, they didn't actually say that these uh, Filipinos were seen as like less than human, but there was a there. I think it was the it was really close to a lot of some of the more like um, animal critical animal studies mm-hmm. pieces we've been looking at. Yeah, because we we still see like non human animals on display in very much the same way today. Yeah, yeah, I loved that. And so this is okay. This so you know how you were saying like it seems kind of chop the 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 documentary felt a little yeah. choppy, like when I was talking about it with um, uh, Devin, my partner who I watched it with. He was, we were he was saying like it kind of felt like you're watching a textbook, oh. and I totally felt that because um, again, not to knock it, but I don't know when this was made, but it feels like a very like almost like a Ken Burns style documentary where you have like, mm. you know, you have a scene and the camera is like panning over it. And then it's like, and then in 1856, you know, it just has this deep narration going to it. And first is like, um, anyways, that's just, that being said, I'm, I'm wondering, but like uh, one thing that clicked for me is when I distinctly remember studying us history in high school, I did really well in that class and I remember being kind of puzzled and I'm like, Oh, this was what was removed from the textbooks because we learned, and I, and I could be wrong. It's been years now, but we learned about imperialism, but we learned, we labeled imperialism when um, France, England, Spain, all, all basically a lot of these other European countries were doing it. And it was just like, that's it. imperialism and then like we didn't really call i don't remember i remember feeling like like but wait what so what are, so what was the u.s doing like why are, why don't we call that imperialism so what i liked about this documentary is they did they named it they're like Amer- they called it american imperialism very right. matter of fact yeah and, the u.s did a lot of shit <laughs> yeah yeah so i i like that they were able to name that and they were saying like you know the u.s I don't, I don't think we really learn about like that the U.S. like fought Filipino people and like took their country. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And also the way that the Vietnam War is 
represented in American media is that Americans won the war. That's sort of how it's portrayed. No, oh. it's the other way around. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I think here, and I've always heard that the U.S. didn't win the war, but that's interesting. Like, okay, maybe they did say, oh, the U.S. didn't win the war, but they always made it very heroic on the U.S.'s side, you know? They always show the U.S. side more so, right? Yeah, Yeah, it made it seem like it was very heroic and brave and courageous and ambitious and how they fought so well and, like, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like the Vietnam won the war, but the U.S. in, the US, in, in like, American media won the war in that other victory sense. You know what I mean? Right. You don't hear, like, the U. Yeah, ex- I, I know what you're saying. Like, they show, like, the U.S. soldiers so much. And you forget, like, yeah, you, you forget, like, the bigger picture of, like, what actually happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because when I was in D.C., I looked at the map, and it says that there was, like, a... Vietnam War Memorial nearby, and I'm like, oh, interesting. Maybe I'll check it out. But then I realized, oh, wait, it's probably going to be so U.S. focused that maybe not. Did you go? I did not. I went to yeah. the Martin Luther King Jr. one instead. Oh, that one's beautiful. That yes, one's beautiful. it's so yeah. well done. I was like, yeah. wow. I didn't see it at first because, like, you have to walk inside of a thing and then turn around and then you'll see it. Yeah. So I didn't really notice because I noticed, like, the water first. So I walk towards the water and then I turn around and then boom, like the carved statue is like staring me in the face. And I'm like, wow. Right, right. It's, he's really tall, right? Yeah. 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 And I think it might be a newer one too. Cause I feel like I, it's not like one that I went to when I was little when we had with our, our field trips or, or DC, but I like feel like I stumbled upon it when I was in a, like a younger adult. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But I, that's yeah. an interesting view of the Vietnam war your memorial. You're right. Like, they call it the Vietnam. Do they call it the Vietnam War Memorial or the Veterans Memorial? But anyways, if you were gonna think it was a war memorial and you show up and they only show the U.S. soldiers there, then it, then it would be kind of like, oh, you know, it was sobering to attend that memorial, but it does not show everything that happened. Um, yeah, or right, the full picture. Yeah, and like coming back to exhibitioning people is that even what you call it (laughs) um this is not in the direct in the documentary but i had read about how they had brought a chinese woman over to america and did the same thing to her at the same fair no i don't think so Uh again my timeline is very skewed i don't know when what happened when but i know that this happened yeah they would like basically because they didn't really have a lot of chinese women in America, because it was mostly just male workers coming over, right? right. Yeah. And so they, they brought one over, and the, her whole appeal was, like, how odd she was, the way she dressed, how she used chopsticks to eat, things like that, you know? And it's, like, it fascinates me. So she was held at an exhibition in the same way that this Filipino, like, village was? Pretty much, yeah. Interesting. It's hard to imagine, um, like, were people walking around in that exhibit, like, just gawking, kind of, you think? Yeah. Yeah. I I would imagine so, like, the same way we would do today for animals in a zoo. Right, right. I would imagine so, yeah, without any regard for what um, that individual is thinking. Right. As we're just, like, walking by. Um, Because it's the whole concept of, like, look at this 
foreign being or species in their quote unquote natural habitat when it's really not their natural habitat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was I, I yeah, I thought I thought that was um and I think what was interesting too was they were describing that exhibition being um so they linked it back to like the US colonization of the Philippines. Mm-hmm. But one thing that they said too was like how school teachers went there anthropologists and military people like that they like just to think um like it it, you know just to remember that it's not like um oh just it's easy to think like oh somebody else is doing this versus i'm as an american involved in a project of colonizing another country you know like i can imagine like what if i what if i was a school teacher at the time you know, and and I have the prospect of going to another country to save our, you know, save people. I mean, it's I could easily you can see how people could be lured into this like I don't know this project without realizing that it's a problem or without realizing that they're um, the harm that they might be participating in. Yeah, well, that, I guess that comes back to Americans just wanting to view themselves as heroes. Hmm. Yeah. Or just the whole, um, like, the white, the white supremacy that's prevalent in in the U.S. But yeah, no. So I I did appreciate that. I mean, I think for me that um, recently I've um, read or I watched a video. So I'm part of the Farm Sanctuary Community Learning Program right mm-hmm. now, and they had this one video with um, Patrice Jones from Vine Sanctuary. Um, and she was in turn referencing also Afonsilco's, you know, Afroism, or at least their work. And like how, and basically for me, I'm just, what one point she made in her video that kind of sticks with me is that like in the Enlightenment period in Europe is when the idea of humans like even developed at all, just like the classification system that we use, Homo sapiens. That was like now we say that as if it's just you know it's it's just a standard vocabulary word, but there was a time when that didn't that just the concept of Homo sapiens itself didn't exist right, and so that was created, and um, I to me that's still like a black box I want to explore like I say a, a topic like I want to go back to the root of like okay so who invented this and like. Where did this come from? And how is it that the white people were the superior beings as a result of all of this? So, um, yeah, like it's it's just fascinating how um, colonization is linked to that white supremacy, you know, to the point like in the documentary where there is that one character, that one, um, they called him like Indo or they, they, he was basically like, I think he was South Asian and he was trying to prove that he was white in court. But they were like, oh, yeah, he's white, but not, he's not white enough. He's Caucasian, but he's not white. Because everyone on the street, the common people, don't think he's white. So. Yeah. So they're like arguing. So he's not white. What white is. But it's like very subjective. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I thought. Um, so it was, it was surprising to me that like go, going into this Asian American field, um, I, I think what I liked, one of the things I, one of the things I liked about it is that it overall, it helped me better understand like 
the history of racism. Um, and it made me want in the United States in particular, but also in the world. And I, it made me want to learn more and like read up more on like Erica Lee's work, for example, because she mm-hmm. she was in the documentary. And yeah, like, I know she's written like a really good book that people liked about Asian American history. Yeah, I was really um, happy to learn more about Anna Mae Wong as well. Yeah. And there's a biopic of her coming out. Is there really? Cool. Yeah. Pretty soon, I would imagine. I yeah, she sounded that. pretty, like, badass. Like, the way she was, like, you know, speaking out about her career options at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, and she was she was really beautiful. And, like, you know, she seemed, she seems very charismatic. So, um, I, and I, yet, I hadn't really known much about her until I watched this documentary. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I know that she's going to be on some, like, U.S. currency, I think. What? I saw that on social media. Someone someone posted something, so it's not verified, but I saw something about her being on the quarter. Oh, it point. might have just been art. Okay, okay, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, but it's like, like... This is what it should look like. Yeah, but the, yeah, the, the main thing is, like, we were just talking about how people stopped using cash. Or, yeah. like, as they're stopping using cash, it's like, okay, well... That was the joke. I know it was not. I think I saw it on Trevor Noah. He was like, yeah, perfect timing as we, you know, stop using cash. So, but anyways, um, and then, yeah, I really, I thought it was great because they showed like the Angel Island station um, right. information and I didn't know about it being, I really didn't, you know, like these are things you know of, but again, like you learn so little of it that it's important to like let it soak in a little bit more every time you learn about it. And so like one thing that I picked up was that it was like the opposite of Ellis Island and that it's like basically with a detention center that like separated families. Yeah. Uh, it was so they called cool. it the Ellis Island of the West. <laughs> Even though it was like not. Yeah. Um, and um, that there was that one. Um, the family with the mom. Yeah. The video from 1970s. That's so rare to see video of Asian Americans in the seventies, like, I don't think there were a lot of people using video cameras back then, you know? So. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, I don't think there are any videos of me from the nineties. <laughs> right. Not even to mention like the seventies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so that was, that was kind of neat. That was really neat to see um, that kind of activism that they were doing back then, or even just, I don't know, maybe it was family video, but I mean, it was, it was a, um, a really sad story to see how, like, the woman um, was because she was a widow. Yeah, they First, never mentioned that. They never mentioned where the kids were living the whole time mom was in detention. I assume with the sisters, because they mentioned mm-hmm. there were sisters involved. But I, it was confusing at first to watch because I, for some reason, thought the kids would be with the mom or something but I was like oh my god yeah they were separated weren't they and you're right like if they didn't have family then like where were they um so it was very tragic to hear about that awful to hear about like separating a mom from her kids for that long Mm -hmm. you know especially as a widow you just feel like your kids are the only thing you have left yeah and it was to me it was so meaningful because like that's still happening today in immigration, yeah. um, there we still have detention facilities, and so 
this was like yet another way to reach audiences about like the, these types of issues. And like, this is an example of like, we literally can learn from history <laughs> that this was yeah. a bad idea. So, um, I yeah. I have a book about Angel Island, but I don't know where I put it now. And I don't, can't remember where I got it. I feel like I got it in San Francisco when I was there a few years ago. Cool. Um, yeah. And I haven't had a chance to actually like read, read it. So this is my motivation to like find it and read it. Yeah, adding more to the library of lists. Yeah, the list of books to read. Um, and you know, like I, I was. I'm just looking at my notes now. I like typed a few up while I was watching. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and I was like, well, you know, if we're gonna talk about this later, I should, <laughs> I should take notes while I'm watching. It, it's more just an outline. Um, but like the other thing that I thought was neat was. Um, Yes, I yes I know about the Chinese Exclusion Act, but again, like when you're in school, high school, actually, I don't even know. Like, do you even learn about that in Canada? Chi- like nope. U.S. Chinese Exclusion Act? Why would you, right? What? Well, nope. Well, we had the Exclusion Act here too. Oh, okay. Yeah, we had a head tax Boo. and everything here too. Yeah, Boo. A, a lot of the stuff that happens in the U.S. gets trickled down. Because, I mean, we're colonized by the same people, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Yeah, so I was, um, I, th- I thought that was really neat, too. Again, these are things I knew about it, but it's really important to, like, rehear it and remember it. And mm-hmm. so um, I hadn't considered, like, for example, that the um, Chinese Americans were the first, like, undocumented immigrants. Yeah. Um, and it was, like, a lot of these laws were the first time that immigrants were ever required to meet certain like you know documentation standards right yeah and it was thanks to um a chinese american that if you were born in the on the land then that you have automatic citizenship you know that was sort of established from that and through like, case so law cool. yeah there's there's supreme court law right yes and that yeah. sort of cements like what it means to be Asian American mm-hmm. in a way. I mean, you don't have to be born here to be Asian American, but you know, it's, I don't know how to really phrase it. It's more of an emotional thing for me to feel like there's so much history that we just didn't learn. Yeah. Yeah. So this was really an important way to get that transmitted once again. I think like, for example, Chinese Exclusion Act. Yes. Like before watching this documentary, I read about it. I have to be honest. I haven't really read, read a lot of books about it. So I would see it in timelines. But that, that's not the same, you know, to just see a little right. blurb about it. Um, so I, I did appreciate how this documentary kind of like gave it a little bit more gravitas and impact. Um, yeah. Um, do you remember that story in the documentary about the man who like ran into the building after an earthquake and then he was bayoneted because he was trying to find his papers because that's how important yeah. it was to carry his papers? Yeah, you had to have them on you at all times yeah to prove that you were supposed to be here and then the and then and, and i i thought it, interestingly enough some of them were like like white people letters from white people saying he was like a good person to work with basically like yeah like if you had white friends then you were good like speak up for you essentially it was much more explicit back then yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Sorry, it's not funny. Because if I needed like, white friends now to speak up for me, I don't know who I'd call, to be honest. 
Yeah. You're like, huh, do I have white friends? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. 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 Rough times. Like, I can't imagine. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, and I even like that they talked about that there was a racial, they referred to like the racial hierarchy and like that. The, yeah. Um, I don't think they said it like very strongly, but they, there was, the implication was that there, there is this decision by Asian Americans to like, yeah, no, they said, they said that people were basically going out of their way to say they weren't black. So yeah, they didn't name anti-blackness, but they definitely like, depicted it and de- and described yeah, how it, how I sent it happened. You, um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. I sent you a talk that I'd seen. It was on Vimeo of Claire Jean Kim. Oh, talking cool. about um, anti-blackness. I might not have watched it, so Asian. I apologize. No, 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 no. It's yeah. long, first okay. of all, so I'm not expecting you to have watched it by today uh-huh. kind of a thing. But like one of the biggest ideas of that talk was Asian Americans, we're not white, but more importantly, we are not black. Like that's the more important part. Mm, that that so, that she was sort of dissecting that idea, or that or she was naming that kind of dynamic. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like no, or maybe we may, may not be white, but what's more important is that we're not black. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that sort of reminded me of that that whole um, concept. Yeah. Of like, oh, we belong here because we're not black. Yeah, I definitely need to watch that um, video because um, I recently read an, an article by her um, in her book, Dangerous Crossings, also part of the Farm Sanctuary CLP program. Oh, oh that's so cool. Highly recommended. I really want to get into more of her animal work. I'll totally, I'll be happy to join you because it was just one chapter and it's really dense. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, like, as an average person, it's not easy to get through sometimes. But this one particular essay was so good. And it actually spoke about more recent anti-Asian discrimination, um, I want to say from the 90s, in San Francisco. Um, And it was on the topic of how um, there was a particular incident where animal rights advocates were targeting, like, fish, live fish markets. Um, and she was describing like the racial dynamics there. Um, but anyways, yeah, there's, there's a lot of nuance on what she was saying, but, um, but it does seem like a lot of times when you hear about Asian American history, um, in the United States, it's, it often feels very, um, anchored in a West coast kind of, uh, experience. And that might simply be that there's just been historically like, I don't know. I don't know what you want to call it. Maybe numbers? Like, maybe there's just more Asian Americans on the West Coast or something? But I think that's I, where I they originally came in from. Like the maybe Angel, and there's a longer, hist- port. a longer history of it. Yeah, I mean, not yeah. that they're not in the East Coast or throughout the U.S., but yeah, they, they might just have, like, a stronger base out there. Um, yeah, I feel like that's where most of them came into the country from, and then they migrated t- towards the East. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah. So good. It was it was good. I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I I watched it like basically with you, even though I wasn't with you, um, because these do feel like um, it's almost like I feel like I, I sh- these are things I should watch, but I don't always go out of my way to watch. Right. Um. So I'm glad that you, we have this to kind of sustain us to to encourage us to do so. Um. And I'm excited about like the next 
I feel like, oh, I should have watched this sooner. Like, why did I wait this long? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've known about these this series. I think I've heard about it. But there's something inside me that's just like, oh, but I am Asian American. Like, <laughs> like I sh- yeah. not that I know everything about being it, but like watching the, uh, a documentary about being Asian American, sometimes I'm like, I feel like, I, I don't know, maybe, uh, it, who knows? why i think i need to do some navel gazing on that front but uh, <laughs> almost like i want to learn something new and different and so it's like i kind of know what it's like but i don't there's a lot right. i don't know like i i i know more about the chinese american stuff than i mm-hmm. do about any of the others i know some of the japanese american internment stuff but other than that like i'm very happy to learn more yeah so. absolutely like i didn't know about the, the that philippine exhibit um, I also, even if I did hear about like the Chinese Exclusion Act, there's so much, you, I mean, there's an entire book. Iris Chang wrote like this book called like the Chinese in America, you know, oh, yeah, like there's so many there's, books out you there. could go so deep onto each of these populations that are being discussed. So I went to a museum in Calgary, um, at the Chinese cultural center mm-hmm. and there were like handwritten letters by Chinese people who were stuck here without their families, like family oh, separation. Yeah, for years and years. Yeah. So yeah, there's just really so much out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so this to me it felt like a good I don't know what you want to call it, but I really felt like, yeah, this is the part that was left out of the textbooks and they needed to put this together so that Oh, they didn't you even could, mention. You could catch up on what was missing. <laughs> when I was growing up, they didn't mention anyone remotely Asian in our textbooks. Um, I think we, yeah, you're right. I don't think we, yeah, I like think not we even might. glazed over, not even just glazed. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm trying like, to think. No mention. Yeah, no, I don't think so. We, I think we learned about the conquest of the Philippines, maybe, but or we learned about the Korean War, the Vietnam War, but you don't, may, I mean, maybe you might have heard about, like, in, more ancient, like, Chinese history, or, like, we definitely learned a little bit about Buddhism. Yeah, I didn't take world history. I think I just took yeah. Canadian history. So it was a lot of just colonists <laughs> coming in here, fighting over, like, French and English, fighting over the lands here. Um, that's basically yeah. it. Learning has to keep going. It cannot stop at what you learn in the schools. That's for sure. No, but, well, I mean, yeah. we were learned. Um, we were learned. We were taught Black history, but it was always in the sort of context of oh, and it's all over now. This was all in the past. That was yeah. what we learned, right? So mm-hmm. it was very easy as a kid to think that racism is over. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know. Oh, hello, Blanky. Yeah, my cat. I I want to. He recently um, exited me out of a screen, and so I'm trying to keep him away from my keyboard right now. But normally, he likes to like sit on my keyboard <laughs> while I'm using it. So sweet. 